Amen. All right, you may be seated this morning. Can I have all the kids? Today is Family Sunday, and on Family Sunday, what we do is we have all the kids stay in worship service with us, and we take communion together at the end of service. And I have a children's message that goes along, just, just pretty much goes along with what I'm going to be talking about uh, with the adults. All the kiddos, what, sixth grade? Sixth grade and below, right? So sixth grade and below? Sixth grade and below. Yeah, all right. Pile in there. Scoot over. Make room. There we go. There you go. You want to go over there on the end? Perfect. Okay. Perfect. All right. Here's the passage of Scripture that uh, I'm going to be reading out of today. Uh, and it's, it's uh, Ephesians 6. Verses 10 through 12, and it says this, Finally be strong in the Lord and the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle, wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. So here's what I want to do. Obviously there's a battle going on. That's what that passage uh, talks about. It's a spiritual battle. But I want to start with this. How many of you have uh, maybe an extracurricular activity or something that you love to do? Something you love to do. I know what you guys are going to say. <laughs> All right, can I get a mic here? What do we got back there? Marty, can I get the mic on? Testing. There we go. Tell skateboarding. You like to skateboard? Okay. What do you have to do to get good at skateboarding? You have to practice, right? And what? Can, well, here, tell them. What do you have to do to be good at skateboarding? Like, if I wanted to take up skateboarding, that ain't gonna happen. But if I, <laughs> if I did, what, what do I need to do to get good at skateboarding? Mm, practice. Well, what do you have to do though? Just ride around and practice. Just, is, yeah. there, is there a certain way you gotta practice? Mm. No, you just hop on it and go, huh? Yeah. You have to wear helmets? Uh, yeah, gear. Might wear padding all over? You like? Does your mom, like, bubble wrap you and then <laughs> before you go out? No, but my, bad, my dad just hops on. Your dad hops on? I can see your dad back there being a <laughs> skater. Yeah. Okay. What's another extracurricular activity? Okay, I'm going to play along, boys. Come here, all three of you. I know what you're going to say. Come Football. on. Football. Fishing and hunting. Oh, you got me. Football. Okay, so if you want to be really, really good at football, what do you have to do? Practice. You have to practice, right? And what, huh? You got to practice a lot, right? And 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 what does practice involve? Playing catch. Playing catch. Tackling each other. Okay. All right. So if you want to be really, really good at hunting and fishing, what do you got to do? Fish a lot. You got to fish a lot, right? Okay. All right. Ladies, any extracurricular activities? What do you like to do? I like to do gymnastics. Oh, what do you have to do? If, if I wanted to be a good gym, gymnast, why are you guys laughing? <laughs> if I wanted to be a good gymnast, what would I have to do? Practice a lot. Practice a lot? I thought she was going to say quit eating cheeseburgers. That's what you should have said. All right. Gymnastics. Okay. You like to do gymnastics too? What do you have to do to gymnastics? You got to go to practice a lot? Do flips and rolls and all that stuff? Okay. Paint. You like to paint? What do you have to do to be a good painter? Um, practice it. Okay. Every single one of you said something different, but it all tuned into what? If you want to be good at something, what do you have to do? 
All right, you got to practice at it. You got to work at it, right? You have to you have to go in being prepared. If you want to go to an activity, you got to prepare in order like I'm sure at your gymnastics meets, do you guys have meets where you go and compete and or your parents come? Okay. So you spend a whole lot of time practicing to get ready for that meet, right? Okay. If you're going to an art show, you probably paint the same picture numerous times before you submit the one that you're going to if for competition. I know what we do at football, right? I work you boys to death, don't I? <laughs> to get ready, right? First game's Friday, right? And we have really hit it hard. First game, Saturday. First game Saturday. We've really hit hard. Okay, so here's what God's telling us in here. He's saying, put on the whole armor of God because there's somebody that's trying to get you, and it's Satan, and we're in spiritual battle, okay? So over the next few weeks, what I'm going to be talking about is the whole armor of God. God gives us the tools to be successful in this spiritual battle, okay? And so that's what we're going to be talking about uh, through the whole way. Okay, where is my gymnast? Here's what we've got. Somebody donated these. These are two general admission tickets to the zoo. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to mom and dad and say, you have to take me to the zoo now, okay? All right, there you go. There's tickets to the zoo. So that's what we're going to be talking about the next few weeks is how, listen, this kind of practice, though, spiritual practice and being spiritually disciplined and knowing God's word, I want to tell you kids, is the most important thing in your life. It's the most important thing. It's more important than football. It's more important than fishing, than gymnastics, than painting. It's the most important thing in your life is being spiritually prepared, okay? And that's what we're going to be talking about today, about the battle. And I'm going to be talking about some guys, one of my favorite uh, passages in Scripture is out of 2 Samuel. I'm going to be talking about some guys, and we've talked about this one other time, about some guys that were very, very prepared to go into battle, and they were amazing warriors. They knew how to fight. Okay, and that's what we have to be prepared to fight for the Lord. Okay, so I want to pray for you, uh, and then you can go back with, sit with mom and dad. Lord Jesus, I thank you uh, this morning for these kids, Lord. Uh, they're, what a blessing for this church that we have so many young, young kids. And so, Lord, I pray, I pray for them, Lord, that when they leave here, they are in. There, there is spiritual warfare going on all over, and it's all aimed and attacked at our families and our children and our moms and dads, and I pray, Lord, that we take up your whole armor, and we practice, and we train, and we're ready for battle, uh, Lord, because it's real. It's very, very real. Uh, in all things, Lord, I love you, and I thank you. In your name I pray. Amen. Good job, kiddos. Thank you. Good job. What a blessing we have to have so many kids. Absolute blessing from the Lord. I've, I've, went, I've seen churches have no kids, so it's a blessing that we have kids. Okay, uh, ladies, I'm going to pass these around. These are a recipe card, and what, what, uh, these are going to go through the church. Please write your favorite recipe for Barb and bring it back to her shower, which is right after church next Sunday. If you can't make it to the shower, give it to someone on the activities team. So favorite recipe, Raymond noodles doesn't count, okay? Has to be a recipe. All right, ramen, it's not Raymond, ramen, I'm sorry. I'm from Missouri, right? Okay. Bible drill, 4th through 6th grade, Bible drill starting this Wednesday. Let Sierra know if you're interested. It's 4th through 6th grade. I just talked about this. There is nothing more important than we can prepare our children for than knowing God's word. So I encourage you, Bible drill, how many of you don't know what, if you don't know what Bible drill is, that's okay, I'll explain it to you real quick. 
Bible drill is where they learn 25 Bible verses. They have to memorize them. They have to memorize 10 key passages. They have to know every book in the Bible. And they'll compete against one another on a church level. Then we go to an association level. We will compete against other Baptist churches. And then if, they, if they're good enough at it and they study hard, it's, they have to study. Then they go compete at a state level. It's an awesome program. So, uh, hey... If Hunter, Hunter loves fishing and sports and all that other stuff, if he doesn't do Bible drill, guess what he doesn't do? Football and all the other stuff, because it's the most important thing. So I encourage you to have your kids involved with that stuff. Also, please see Sierra. Sierra, you want to raise your hand real quick? Everybody knows Sierra. There we go. Sierra, see Sierra if, uh, uh, if you have questions, if your child's interested. I hope we have like 15 kids doing Bible drill this year. Operation Christmas Child, donations. Look at the list. They're out on the front of foyer. I can't believe we're almost there, but we start taking up uh, donations for Operation Christmas Child. Operation Christmas Child is by Samaritan's Purse, where at the end of the year we will box shoe boxes full of, of toys and goodies and stuff, and they send them to kids all around the world. So it's an amazing ministry. Um, we'll start putting the list up there. There's a list for September, October, and then another one for uh, December. So there's that. Uh, no men's Bible study tonight. There's no men's Bible study tonight because of the holiday. Wednesday night services are normal, 6 o'clock for dinner, 6.45 for our classes. Um, Sunday, September 11th, which is next Sunday, is the ladies' crafting day from 2 to 5. Uh, and then also next Sunday is the young adult college class is going to Springfield. The bus is leaving at 3.30 from here at the church. We'll meet around 3, leave around 3.30 uh, here at the church. Sunday, September 25th, is the outreach at the park from 1 to 4 p.m. So please see Mike Simons if you would like to volunteer for that. That's uh, going to be coming up pretty quick. And then the church softball team, which went undefeated last year, and they're like, they're really good. Their first game is, is uh, September 12th at 8.15 p.m. Who do we play? We got the Methodists. Who we got? We play the Lutherans, okay. Come support, I don't, you don't know that, do you? You're just giving me a name, that's what I thought. <laughs> we play somebody, so come support the softball team. It's at Rotary Park at 8.15, uh, 8.15 p.m. on September 12th. Uh, if you still want to join the softball team, you probably can. Go see Tommy. Well, we, you know, we put you on the bench. I don't know what he'll do with you, but he's, uh, we win, don't we, Tommy? Yeah, Tommy's goal is to win, okay. All right, anybody else have anything? Okay, the, the secret got out of the bag. My lovely wife, would you please stand up this morning? She doesn't like this. The secret got out of the bag, and you can turn around. She turned 40 years old yesterday. And so, yes, you can step back down. So, so we had this surprise party plan, and I have a meal coming at 11 o'clock today from Sheila's for everybody. Um, she looked at my checkbook and saw that I had paid Sheila's a lot of money for food. And that's how the cat got out of the bag. So it's my fault, but we invite everybody here to stay for lunch today uh, and celebrate her birthday. We have a meal being catered, so please stay and celebrate with us and eat lunch uh, today after the morning service. So any other announcements? I got some Bibles to hand out. Any other announcements? Got some Bibles to hand out. Where's the bab? I had a baptismal certificate in here, I thought. No, that's my Bible. What am I doing? Elizabeth. <laughs> I want to give away my Bible. Elizabeth, where are you at, Elizabeth? Come here. 
brand new Bible. Congratulations, young lady. I'm proud of you. Good job. All right, come up here, Travis. Travis, brand new Bible. Congratulations, buddy. Congratulations. You bet. Absolutely. All right, any other announcements before we have our worship time, and then we'll jump into God's Word together? Okay, if you would stand this morning, let's take up our morning offering, and then we'll get into our worship time today. Bow with me in prayer as we bless our morning offering. Lord Jesus, I thank you again that we're here, Lord, uh, to worship you today in spirit and truth. And, uh, Lord, to talk about battle and, and that we need to be prepared. We need to be ready for it. And uh, so, so, Lord, I, I pray this morning that we have hearts to receive your word. I pray, Lord, over our morning offering that we use it to further your kingdom for our missionaries, our missions uh, locally and around the world. And in all things, Lord, it's an honor to give back to you. Uh, it's worship. And so let us worship you during this time. It's in your name I pray. Amen.
I just help my voice is about gone, so let's go.
Thank you guys. Turn in your Bibles if you would. 2 Samuel chapter 23. 2 Samuel chapter 23. So these verses, I told you we got two passages. We really have two passages of scripture today. There's the one in Ephesians chapter 6 that I read to the kids that talks about being ready for battle. Being being ready that we don't uh, fight against flesh and blood. Here's one of my favorite passages of scripture. Uh, It's in 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel 23, verses 8 through 18. So we got 10 verses here. Some of these names, yeah, so be patient with me on the names, okay? <laughs> you know I'm talking to you out there. These are the names of the mighty men whom David had. Jehoshabeth, a Tishmanite, he was chief of the three. He wielded his spear against 800 whom he killed at one time. And next to him among the three mighty men was Eleazar, the son of Dudu, Dodo, son of Adonai. He was with David when they defied the Philistines who were gathered there for battle. And the men of Israel withdrew. He rose and struck down the Philistines until his hand was weary and his hand clung to the sword. And the Lord brought about a great victory that day. And the men returned after him only to strip the slain. Next to him was Shammai, the son of Agi the Heretite. The Philistines gathered together at Lehi, where there was a plot of ground full of lentils, and the men fled from the Philistines. But he took his stand in the midst of the plot, and defended it, and struck down the Philistines, and the Lord worked a great victory. And the three of the thirty chief men went down and came about harvest time to David at the cave of Adullam, when a band of Philistines was encamped in the valley of Rephahim. David was then in the stronghold, and the garrison of the Philistines was then at Bethlehem. And David said longingly, Oh, that someone would give me water to drink from the well of Bethlehem that is by the gate. Then the three mighty men broke through the camp of the Philistines and drew water out of the well of Bethlehem that was by the gate and carried it and brought it to David. And he would not drink it. He poured it out to the Lord and said, Far be it from me, O Lord, that I should do this. Shall I drink the blood of the men who went at risk of their lives? Therefore he would not drink it. These things the three men did. Now Abishai, the brother of Joab, the son of Zerai, was the chief of the thirty. And he wielded his spear against three hundred men and killed them and won a name beside the three. So in this passage, we have some mighty, mighty men of God that God used. And these were mighty, mighty warriors. Let's pray before we jump into this. Lord Jesus, I thank you again this morning to be here, Lord, to worship you. I thank you for your word this morning. There's so many good things here, uh, God, and uh, just a limited amount of time to to, to talk about them. So I I pray, Lord, that your word will go forward this morning. It will impact our lives and we'll be ready for battle, Lord. It's in your name I pray. Amen. So we are jumping out of 1 John chapter 5 for, for, uh, I would say, the next few weeks. And here's why. we're going to talk about the whole armor of God. The men have been going through this on Sunday night and doing a study by Dr. David Jeremiah, and it's been really, really good. Uh, a very good study that I think we need to talk about as a whole, because I do think, guys, we're at a time right now that this is going to be beneficial for the church, that, that we are in a, a, a time in our country, in our lives, where we are in spiritual warfare. Everywhere we look around, there's a battle taking place. It's a spiritual battle. Now, whenever we talk about combat or battle or spiritual battle, the first thing you have to do is acknowledge that there's a battle taking place. 
that, that Satan is after you and your family, and you have to acknowledge that there's a spiritual battle taking place. One of the easy, worst things that we can do is not acknowledge that there's a, a, a threat or a battle. In World War II, Pearl Harbor was bombed because we didn't take the Japanese serious enough. We were not on guard and ready for that battle. And so what happened? Men, uh, thousands of men and women were killed and injured because of that. So in our text in Ephesians that I read earlier, God is telling us to be ready for battle. He's saying, be ready for this. This is coming. And this battle isn't against man. It's not against flesh and blood. It's against Satan. It's a demonic, it's a spiritual battle. And so the first thing we have to do is acknowledge that there's a war waging. And if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, you are a part of that. You are in the middle of it. And if you aren't going to put on the whole armor of God, if you don't put on the whole armor of God, you're going to be injured. You're going to be weak. You're going to be easy prey for Satan. And so that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, this text that I just read, it's one of my favorite passages of the Old Testament. And it looks, it looks at some of the most mightiest warriors that God had in the Bible, that God used uh, for his glory. And, and it, gives, it gives us some characteristics of these men. They're called David's mighty men. The first one is found really in, in verses 11 and 12 and in all the, the verses in here. It was that these guys had courage. They had courage to face the enemy. They weren't going to hide. They weren't going to run. They knew that there was a battle taking place, and they weren't going to run from it. This guy was outnumbered and facing death. If we go back to verses uh, 11 and 12 in the passage in chapter 23, it says, uh, uh, He took his stand in the midst of the plot, and he defended it and struck down the Philistines. He stood his ground. He understood. He had courage to do that. Listen, as husbands as wives we have to have the courage to know that there's a fight that satan is after our families and we have to be ready to take that fight we have to stand our ground we must be ready this guy didn't run he didn't hide he put his head down and he got with it he got with it he didn't get discouraged he didn't quit look who stood with him here's another example of this look who stood with him david David stood with him. David was the leader. He, he led by example. So listen, we talk about leadership. Leadership is a great thing, men, for you to study. Because every man in here is a leader over his family. That's what the Bible says. So we have a responsibility to lead. So we should take that and look. And listen, if I'm not going to stand firm and, and recognize that there's a battle taking place and I'm not going to take the leadership, how's my family? They're going to follow my example. They're going to follow the example that I set. David was the leader of this group, and he didn't desert them. He didn't abandon him, them with his responsibilities. Today, we are fighting battles with Satan. Every day, we're fighting battles. We fight over what the world throws at us, what Satan throws at us. The world says, sin's okay. You live how you want to live. Do what you want to do. Jesus says, stay and fight. It's not okay. Stay and fight. Churches all over this world and nation are giving in to the world. We can't. We can't. Our homes can't. Our families can't. We can't. We fight battles all the time against sickness, loss of loved ones, loss of jobs. What does Jesus say? He gives some encouragement. It's in Deuteronomy 31.6. Over and over, if you read through the book of Deuteronomy, you're going to see one word that jumps out over and over and over. You know what it is? Courage. It's courage. 
Deuteronomy 31.6 says, Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. The Lord will never leave you or forsake you. Listen to me. Romans, in the book of Romans, it says nothing in all creation. Nothing in all creation. Height nor depth. Nothing in all creation can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You know what Paul was thinking of when he wrote those verses? I believe I believe he was thinking of Deuteronomy 31.6. Where God says, be strong and courageous. Don't be afraid. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. Listen, as his children, if you're a follower of the Lord Jesus Christ this morning, he's not going to leave you or forsake you. You have the creator of the universe on your side. He is going to stand and fight with you. Listen, everyone else fled. And you will see, you will see in life that true followers of Jesus are not going to run when times get bad. They're not going to hide. They're not going to give up when bad things happen. What's the song? I probably should have requested it this week. Praise Jesus in the storm. I'm going to praise you in the storm, right? No matter what you're going through in life, guys, what we have to do is keep, we talked about this last week, we have to keep our focus on Christ. We keep our focus on Christ. Acknowledge that there's a battle waging all around us. And know that Jesus is not going to leave you or desert you. He's there with you. When bad things happen, let me say, when horrible things happen in your life, you can have an opportunity of doing one of two things. You can turn your back on God or you can draw near to God. I encourage you this morning, no matter what you're going through, draw near to God. Be ready. And, and these battles, they're attacks. And you have to recognize who their attacks are from. They're from Satan. Listen, you, only warriors put on the whole armor of God. If you want to go into battle, you're going to put on the whole armor of God. Why do you think I'm not even getting into the whole armor of God today? Because you have to be committed. And that's the next thing I'm going to talk about. You have to be committed, committed to this fight. And want to put on the armor, want to go to battle. And here's the other thing. Here's the second point. We'll get to the commitment here in a minute. Here's the second thing. What would I see in these verses is these guys knew what they were doing. They knew what they were doing. They knew how to fight. They had extensive training. I talked to our kids about training and what did they keep saying? Well, I have to practice. I have to practice. These guys had spent hours and days and years learning how to be the best. Even in our own military, we think about uh, who are the top elite fighters in the world. Well, I think our Navy SEALs would probably be ranked up there uh, with very, very high. Some of my Marine Force Recon guys would argue with that. Maybe some Green Beret Army guys would argue with that. But they're all, like, they go through extensive training. Starts in boot camp where they become infantrymen. They go to infantry school. Then infantry troops, after infantry school, they try out for special operations. Sp uh, Navy SEALs go through a whole year. It's not just BUDS. BUDS training is 24 weeks. The dropout rate at BUDS is about 90%. After that, they go through a whole year of SEAL training, a three-week parachute course, then a 26-week SEAL qualification course where they learn advanced weapons training, land navigation, night navigation, hand-to-hand -hand combat, demolitions, unarmed combat, cold weather training in Kodiak, Alaska. They also complete survival, evasion, and resistance and escape training. The water qualifications for the SEALs are probably the hardest in the world. But they knew what they're doing. They knew how to fight. They knew how to fight. They trained them to learn how to fight. Listen, if we're going into a spiritual battle, you have to train yourself spiritually how to fight. 
You have to train yourself. How do we learn how to fight the enemy? We go back to Ephesians chapter 6. Go back to Ephesians chapter 6, verses 11. I'm going to read through the whole, a little bit more uh, here, 11 through 18. It says, put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day, and having done all, to stand firm. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth, having put on the breastplate of righteousness, as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given of the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith, which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. Take up the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication to the end. Keep alert with all perseverance, making supplications for all the saints." So what do we have to do? We have to identify who the enemy is. Our enemy is Satan. It's demonic. What are the weapons that we use? The whole armor of God. I will be preaching through the whole armor of God and sharing with you every single week till we get done what each piece is used for and what it is. And it's all centered around Christ. What is the weapon? What does it say? The sword of the spirit, which is what? The word of God. We literally have the most powerful weapon on the earth. Do we know how to use it? When Jesus is tempted by Satan, you guys remember when Jesus is tempted by Satan? Don't even have it in my notes, but you remember. What did Jesus do? He quoted scripture. Every single time he quoted scripture. And what did Satan do at the end after Jesus had quoted scripture? He fled. He left him. You want to be able to fight Satan? Know this book. Know this Bible. Know this. So the question is, do you know this? Do you spend time daily training yourself in God's word? Lifeway Research, a study that I read, said 19% of churchgoers read the Bible daily. 19% of churchgoers. And we wonder why if our kids come and want advice, we have nowhere to turn. We, do we encourage our children to read the Bible? Are we Listen, I hope after this sermon, I have 30 kids signed up for Bible drill that Sierra can't handle all of them. I pray that because you know what happens? You, they hide the word in their heart. What's the verse? I hide your word in my heart so that I may not sin against God. Get involved in reading God's word. Listen, I want... I want my kids to be great at fishing and hunting and, and football and all that stuff. That's great. And painting and do gymnastics and all that stuff, right? That's all. It's amazing. I want them to be good at that. I want them to do that. But how can I encourage all that if, and I don't encourage them to read God's Word? I'm not spiritually leading my family if I do that. We need to be doing that. It has to be. Listen, this also... Guys, it has to be a priority for you. It has to be a priority for you. You know statistics? Joel and Shelly are, are, are Jones, they teach our youth. The statistics are that 70% of youth leave the church, leave after high school. 30% roughly come back. 
But that's still four out of ten that never come back to Christ. Can you blame me? Can you blame the youth leaders? I think there's some blame that could be associated there if we aren't teaching God's word, right? But what's two hours out of a day or a week with the kids compared to what you have with your children? We wonder why our kids live in sin and immorality when they get older if we don't set the example for them. If we live, listen, if we live like we're followers of Satan, our children will be followers of Satan. If we live like we are followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, our children are going to be followers of the Lord Jesus Christ. I have to train myself in that. I have to train. I have to train. I have to study on on how to do this. How do we expect our families to win this battle against Satan if we don't teach them? If they're only getting the word on Saturday Saturday or Sunday, Wednesday or Sunday, they're going to lose. They're going to lose. You have to learn how to fight. Some of you, if I ask you what your trades were, I mean, I love my brother back here going to discipleship. If I want a hardwood floor done, I'm going to Johnny Brooks at Brooks Hardwood Flooring, right? He's like the best hardwood flooring guy in southwest Missouri. There's a plug for Johnny, right? <laughs> don't call me, right? You'll, I don't know what you would get if I tried to do it, right? Uh, if, you need, if you need an AED machine, though, call me, and I can tell you all about them, and I'll, I'll help you get you hooked up, right? I'm not trying to plug my business. Please don't take it like that. We're just like... We all have specialties that we're good at, right? That you know that is somebody you can go and and count on because they know their business. They know what they're doing. As followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we got to know our business. We got to know our craft. We got to know our trade. We should know this. Always be ready to give an account for the hope that is in you. Make a defense for the hope is in you is what Peter says. Right, here's the third thing. Here's the third thing. I'm going to finish up. There has to be an unconditional commitment. There has to be an unconditional commitment. You know what I see in these verses in Samuel? I see people that are sold out for their mission. They risk everything. 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 For David. David said, man, I would long for a glass of water from that well in Bethlehem. And the three guys look at one another like... Our leader said he wants a drink from the well in Bethlehem. We don't care that it's surrounded by Philistines. Let's go kill them all and get him a glass of water. You know what that is? That's unconditional commitment to David. They were unconditionally committed to do, no matter what, to serve David. Guys, that's a lesson for us. That is a big-time lesson for us. Navy SEALs, you know what a lot of them do? They, they, those guys, they're crazy. They will pass out underneath water. They will be drown themselves underneath water because they're so committed to getting the mission done that they'll inhale water. You ever been in water and you felt like you were going to drown? You start to panic? Those guys just pass out underneath water because, yeah, we're going through the training. Because they're 100% committed to getting the job done. David's men were absolutely committed to doing everything in their power to get the job done. If David asked these men to do something, they did it. They didn't even think twice about it. Let me say, guys, let me say, church, Jesus wants your unconditional commitment to him. He preaches that over and over. He teaches that. Turn to Matthew chapter 10. I'm getting done, I promise. It's Matthew chapter 10. This is just important. Matthew 10, 37 through 39. 
These are some, these are some, <laughs> these are some tough verses. And I'm going to explain them. But these are some tough verses. Jesus says this. He says, starting in verse 37. Whoever loves father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever loves son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And whoever does not take his cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Is he saying that we, we can't love our families? No, that's not what he's saying. He's saying your commitment to me, your commitment to me should be so great that every other area of your life, it doesn't even look like you love anybody else. That every area of your life, I want you following me. He's saying nothing, nothing can come between our relationship and service to him. Does that mean we can't love our families? No. There's an order. There's an order in our life. Jesus is first. And nothing can come between your relationship with him. You know what happens a lot of times? We get that out of whack. So we, we have, all right, I'm a strong follower of Christ. Jesus is here. But I'm a strong follower of Christ until I, I get, decide to get into an unhealthy relationship. Right? And we start moving Jesus down. Or I, I'm, I love Jesus when it's convenient for me to love him. No, no, no. No. That's not what Jesus says. That's a false gospel. That's a false message if somebody believes that. Jesus says, I want you and I want all of you. Jesus says, I want full custody. I don't want weekend visits. I want all of you. Listen, we have to give up our lives for him. We have to die for what we want, we desire to live for him. Turn to James chapter 2. Here's our last set of verses this morning. James chapter 2, verses 14 through 21. Some of you may not like these set of verses. To be honest with you. May get people riled up this morning. Here's what it says. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says, go in peace, be warm and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, you have faith, you have faith, and I have works. Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one, you do well, even the demons believe and shudder. I love quoting this verse. Because when I'm sharing the gospel with people, you know what I hear a lot of times? Well, I believe there's God. I believe there's God. And I say, you know what my response is? Well, that's great. You're on demon level right now. That's what it says. You believe there's one God? That's awesome. You have as much knowledge as a demon right now. And I'm not that sarcastic, but... That's what people think. Well, I believe there's a God. That means I'm going to heaven. I believe there's a God. That's not what James is saying. James is saying if your life, you live it. You live your life and your actions show that you love the Lord Jesus Christ. I can walk out here on the street in Marshfield, Missouri, and nine out of ten people I could ask, do you know Jesus? And every one of them is going to say yes. And some of them, their lives, the way they live them, look more like Satan than anything Jesus ever said in the Bible. That's exactly what James is saying. If you live like a follower of Satan, you are a follower of Satan. That's what James is saying. Now, that doesn't mean we don't struggle with sin. And we don't have things that, in our lives that, that get a hold of us. But you know what we do? We keep our eyes focused on Christ. 
and we repent of sin. And we say, Lord, I want to honor you with my life. I want to honor you with my relationships. I want to honor you with my commitments. That's what this looks like. Jesus, Jesus is saying, serve me. Show me by your actions, your priorities. It's not by what comes out of our mouth. It's by our actions. It's how we live our lives. Listen, now some of you may say, man, this is a very, very offensive message. It is. The gospel is very offensive to those who are dying and perishing. Listen, you can get upset this morning. I, I, I get it. I get it. Or you can submit to the Holy Spirit and change your life. That's what my prayer is. Or you can get mad at me. Selena gets mad at me a lot sometimes. I, I'm used to that, right, honey? She's mad that I'm having a party for today, but we're doing it, right? Amen? All right. My whole point is, do you have unconditional commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ? Is that what that looks like in your life? Is there an unconditional commitment to him? To be a warrior for Jesus, to understand there's a spiritual battle taking place, Number one, you got to have the courage to face the enemy. You know where that courage comes? Not from you. Not from you. It comes from Christ. It's from being in Christ. It's from professing him as your personal Lord and Savior. For believing in him. Then he gives you the courage. And then you know what? No matter the situation that you have, you don't back down. You don't back down. You know what's great about having a family of brothers and sisters in Christ? You know why people say, well, I can be a Christian and not go to church. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I guess technically you can. But you're doing life and you're doing battles by yourself. And when you're wounded and you're hurt, you're down, there's nobody with you. You know when Roman soldiers went into battle, they locked shields together. They were brothers, right? You know what's important about having a family here as brothers and sisters in Christ? When you're knocked down, you got somebody right there next to you that's going to help pick you up in Christ and go into battle with you and to support you and help you. And you do likewise. You do likewise. You have to have the courage to stand to fight. Secondly, listen, you didn't become a Roman warrior. And Paul is, Paul is using the analogy in Ephesians chapter 6 as of warriors for Christ. You did not become a Roman warrior or a, you don't become a Navy SEAL just because you say, well, I think I'm going to be a SEAL this week. There's a whole bunch of training that goes along with that. Now, here's the good thing. Somebody probably here today needs to start training for Christ and becoming a warrior for him by professing him as their Lord and Savior. That's where it starts. You've got to join. You've got to join up with the kingdom. And that's by saying, Lord, you have my life. I'm putting my faith and trust in you. When you do that, you're saved. You receive the Holy Spirit. Now, guess what? You're going to have people that start training you. And God's going to train you. And you have to train yourself. you got to know how to fight. You have to make the commitment that there's nothing that's going to hinder me from getting into God's Word, to learning it, to studying it, to learning how to use it. And you know when you start doing that, you know what happens? You know when we have a church full of people that start doing that? Satan goes, I don't want to mess with those guys anymore. I don't want to mess with that church. Let me go down the road and mess with the church that's not doing that. Because what does Satan do? He flees. He flees. Whenever you're in God's word, he flees. He flees. Jesus was tempted and quoted scripture. When you're going through the worst parts of your life, get into this. And find comfort. 
Find encouragements. Get into this. Third thing, you have to have unconditional commitment. No matter what, no matter what, Christ, you're first in my life. No matter what, does he have your time, your talents? Are you using them? If he asks you to serve, do you do it? That is what being a follower of Christ looks like. That's how you go into battle. Some of you are probably recruits today. You're recruits, and you need to sign up for the battle. You do that by professing Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Some of you have been recruits for way too long. Some of you are in the army, but you don't know how to use anything, and you're ineffective for combat. You need to commit to getting into this, to getting involved with this body and learning how to be a warrior for Christ. Because listen, that's the only thing that matters in the end. Nothing else matters. It doesn't matter what kind of car, truck, farm, business. It doesn't matter. Only what you do for the kingdom is what matters. That's it. That's all. Some of you have been in boot camp for a long, long time. And you need to make the commitment of being a warrior, to advancing on Jesus first in your life, not second, not third. You know how you do that? By getting down on your knees, turning from that, and professing Jesus as your Lord and Savior and committing to Him. Here's what we're going to do. We're about ready to take communion. Communion is a time. We have an open communion. So if you're my brother or sister in Christ, you don't have to be a member of this church to take communion with us, okay? But what you have to be is you profess Jesus as your Lord and Savior. It's also a time that we take very, very serious. There's a warning in Scripture that we read every time before we take communion. It's in 1 Corinthians 11. It says, Whoever eats the bread or drinks of the cup in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. Let a person examine himself then, and so eat of the bread and drink of the cup. This is why many of you are weak or ill, and some have died. There's the warning. Don't take communion this morning if you are living in unrepentant, rebellious sin against God. Confess that sin to God. Repent of that sin. You do that by prayer. And then you take communion with us. Right? If you haven't publicly professed Jesus as your Lord and Savior, don't take communion. Paul says that's why some of you have weak or ill and some have died. There's a warning there. We should take it serious. I'm going to ask our worship team if they would come today. They're going to lead us uh, in a hymn of invitation. If you would please stand this morning. If you need to talk to me, I'll be more than happy to pray for you. If, you, if you're a lady, I will be more than happy to have my wife pray, pray with you. If you just need to repent of your sins, you don't need to come up here to do that. You can do that right there. You can do that right there. Listen, we're in a battle. We're in a battle. We're going to start going through the whole armor of God and how to fight this battle. It starts right here today, though. It starts right here. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, this morning for your word. I thank you for the time. I got to spend looking at it this week. And Lord, I, I, I pray that this message has exalted you, has challenged us, encouraged us where we need to be encouraged, Lord. And I pray for people in here this morning. They're struggling in life. They're struggling. And I pray, Lord, that their struggles draw them closer to you. They humble themselves before you and get closer to you. God, I love you and I thank you. In your name I pray. Amen.
All right, I'm going to ask you to be seated this morning. Um, t- timing, God works things out. I, I want to. I, I asked him if it was okay if I let you guys know because we need to wrap our arms around them. Uh, Ed and Christine came this morning, and they know best. And uh, some of our other members from being at Rogersville First Baptist, they're our, they're our brothers and sisters in Christ. But I don't know him that good. But his daughter um, passed away by suicide this week. So I want you to pray, pray for them. And sometimes you don't have words to tell people. Just gotta pray for them. So our elders, please come forward this morning. We're gonna take communion. It's a very, very important thing. This is one of the ordinances of the church. Uh, Jesus instituted this. Matthew chapter 26 says that Jesus gathered with his disciples to celebrate the Passover meal. Uh, and this is a very, very important Jewish holiday, the most important one. Uh, it was a, the Passover was a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ's uh, death on the cross. And they put lamb's blood and the Passover, uh, the angel passed uh, over the Israelites when they were in Egypt. And so Jesus comes together. And he celebrates Passover, and he says this in Matthew chapter 26. He says, as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, take, eat, this is my body, which is given for you. And he took a cup, and when we had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, drink it, all of you, for this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. So why we do this is to remember the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and what he did for us, that without, without Christ, we're not in... We're lost. We're dead in our sins. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So it is a time that we thank the Lord Jesus personally for what he did for you on the cross. And we remember that. And it's also a time that we look forward to his return. We look forward that as followers of his, no matter height nor depth nor anything else in all creation can separate us from God. And so one day, either I'm going to die and have an appointment with God and be in heaven, or Jesus is going to come back. I pray, brothers and sisters, that he comes back. I pray he comes back sooner rather than later so we can spend an eternity uh, with him. So once again this morning as we pass this out, we'll take it together. If you're a public professed follower of the Lord Jesus Christ, please take communion with us. Unless you have unrepentant, rebellious sin that you're living in uh, against God right now, don't take communion. But we welcome you. You don't have to be a member uh, to take communion uh, here this morning. So I'm going to ask, I know we may have some people downstairs. I'm going to ask Alan Greenfield if you would please bless uh, the bread this morning. Our holy heavenly Father, we thank you, Father, for this day. And Father, as we take this bread in remembrance of what our Lord Jesus Christ done for us on that cross where he was broken and his body was was broken for us. Father, help us always to remember to cherish and to love him for that. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Amen. John, would you like to help us this morning, please?
encourage you to spend time in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for what he did for you on the cross. This morning also.
Jesus said, this is my body, which is given for you. Take ye and eat. He took a cup and he gave thanks. I asked Denny if he would please bless the cup this morning. Lord, as we prepare to take this cup, will we reflect back to the blood that you shed for us on that cross. Lord, for that life that you gave for our sins to cover it all. We thank you for it. In Christ's name, amen. This is the blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Take ye and drink. <coughs> Excuse me. Just, uh, <clears throat> just sorry for being so long-winded this morning. We needed to say what needed to be said, but Scripture tells us they went out rejoicing. So Jesus is about ready to be crucified, and he celebrates this, and then they go out rejoicing. So, man, we have a lot to be thankful for today. So this is what I would like for you to do. If you would stand this morning, we close with a, a hymn of song. Please stay today. I have so much food downstairs now. Please stay and eat uh, with us today. And uh, ministry's hard. Ministry can be very, very hard. You get the best and the worst at times. And um, she's not the person that stands up front, right? Uh, but she's always by my side. And so want to honor her today, my wife, and, um, and celebrate her birthday. And we're going to have a good time downstairs. So please stay with us as we close in song today.
let me bless the food just real quick since we're going to eat. The security just told me that the police have somebody pulled over out in the parking lot. So be careful as we dismiss if you can't stay uh, for lunch. But please stay. For, and it's not me getting pulled over. I'm pretty excited about that at least, right? <laughs> <laughs> but I, we have a lead foot in our household, I think, don't we? Yeah, uh, and it's me. I'm, I admit it. So I want to bless the food. Please stay if you can this morning. If you can, it's all right, but please stay. We have a ton of food. So, Lord Jesus, I thank you, Lord, this morning for our services. Thank you for full house today, uh, God. And we've come to worship you. And, and, Lord, I pray that we submit to you, that we're ready for battle. And as we talk about that over the next several weeks, Lord, I pray that you bless the, that time of studying that uh, together, Lord. Bless this food. Thank you, Lord, for my wife. Thank you for our church family and everyone that's come to celebrate with us today. Uh, Lord, bless the food today. Let it be nourishment to our bodies. In your name we pray. Amen. You guys have a great day.